Reading over today's uh, lessons from the scriptures today, I was reminded of something that happened to me many years ago as a young priest. I was working at the Centro Catolico in Washington with immigrants, and most of my immigrants were people fleeing from the wars in Central America. But one day, on a Sunday actually, I received a telephone call from the national airport. It was from the Travelers Aid Society. And they said, Father, we have a young man who's just arrived from Peru and he needs some help. Could you uh, do something for him? So I went to the airport and was very surprised to meet a young man by the name of Segundo Watai. He was an indigenous person from Peru, from a, a very poor area of the country. And he was blind. Uh, he somehow managed to talk the American Council into giving him a visa. Uh, he talked someone in Braniff to give him a, a, a ticket to fly to Washington. And here he is standing in the Traveler's Aid Society uh, with no money, no place to go, blind, not speaking English. And of course, I was kind of shocked by hearing his story, and yet, uh, I was filled with admiration for this young man who was so determined that he was going to overcome his blindness. And part of it was this odyssey to New York, to Washington, and convincing all of the people uh, to allow him to be there. He told me that where he was from, blind people spent their whole life begging on the church steps. And he said, I don't want that for my life. I immediately thought of uh, an extraordinary hero in my life when I was growing up, uh, Helen Keller, who was blind and deaf, and yet in, in spite of all of these challenges, uh, learned to be a great communicator. Uh, so often as a child, I remember listening to her on the radio and seeing her in the newsreels. And, uh, she died in 1968, actually. She was a graduate of Harvard University, uh, I think the first deaf-blind person to graduate from this institution. She wrote many books. She was a great champion of women's rights, of the rights of the disabled, of civil rights. She worked with the NAACP. Her life was a great inspiration. She was determined that blindness was not going to prevent her from living a fully human life. But the worst kind of blindness is a spiritual blindness. And I, when I was teaching Spanish literature at CU, I used to always enjoy teaching about one of Perez Galdós's novels called Marianela, the story of this young woman in a village in Spain, a great capacity for love and friendship and goodness. And Marianela has a boyfriend, Pablo, who is blind. And Marianela cooks for Pablo. She washes his clothes. She reads to him. She takes him for a walk. She's his constant companion. And then one day, they send Pablo off to the big city. He's operated on, cured of his blindness, and he comes back to his village, and for the first time in his life, he sees this young woman that loves him more than anyone else in the world ever could or ever would. 
But now that Pablo can see, he realizes there are other women in the village who are prettier than Marianella, and so he eventually leaves her and goes and marries someone else. The irony of the story is, of course, when Pablo was blind, he could see. And when he could see with his eyes, he could only see appearances, and often appearances deceive us. When Jesus talks about blind blindness, he's often referring to this spiritual blindness. And being able to see, truly see, is to be able to see the world through God's eyes, to see what is really real, what is really beautiful, what is really authentic. In the three scripture readings today, there are several analogies and parables that can be classified as wisdom literature. Today's gospel is from Luke's sermon on the plain. Uh, Last Sunday, we heard the Beatitudes from the same sermon. And today, the sermon continues with Christ's instructions for how a disciple is to live. And at the center of our life, of course, is the faith described by Paul in the second reading about the resurrection. Faith in the resurrection of Jesus is the centerpiece of our life as disciples. Jesus is alive. We recognize him in the breaking of the bread, in his body, the community of faith, where two or three are gathered in his name. He is in our midst. Jesus is also hidden in plain sight in the poor, the hungry, the sick, the stranger, the prisoner, the suffering. That vision of faith allows us to glimpse his presence and his love. Jesus has many admirers, but he has come to call us to be disciples and friends, members of his community, of his family. And a call to Jesus is a call to overcome the spiritual blindness and a call to conversion. At the temple at Delphi, the inscription over the temple was, Gnothe Sauton, know thyself. So Jesus tells us not to be so anxious about correcting our neighbor. The revolution needs to begin with ourselves. The call to discipleship is a call, first of all, to conversion, to a journey inward, to remove that beam from our own eye. It's difficult not to be judgmental. It's so easy to identify the shortcomings of our friends and neighbors. The parable of the publican and the Pharisee about the two men who went to the temple shows the Pharisee standing in front of the church congratulating himself for all of his good works and saying, Lord, I thank you, I'm not like that sinner, that tax collector. But sometimes we're tempted to say, thank God, I'm not like that arrogant, judgmental Pharisee. But of course, by doing so, we become a Pharisee ourselves. Pope Francis often speaks about the two paths to enlightenment, to holiness, to fulfillment, and they are prayer and community. 
as we approach Lent, it's a good time to take stock of our own rule of life, how much time and space we make for God in our lives so that we can grow in this vision of faith. The Holy Father also reminds us how central community is in our life of faith. In community, we are united in our love for Christ and for each other. At the Last Supper, where Jesus gives us the Eucharist and our marching orders, he gives us the new commandment. He tells us, as my disciples, I want you to wash each other's feet. I want you to love each other the way that I love you. How does Jesus love us? He loves us first. He loves us while we're still in sin. He doesn't wait for us to love him and then to reciprocate. He loves first. He loves to the point of laying down his life for us. Discipleship means following Jesus in community, in his church. Today, so often we hear, oh, I am uh, spiritual but not religious. It's kind of a contradiction to think that we can be a disciple without being part of a community. Discipleship is learned the way we learn a language, by living in a community that speaks that language. The scriptures contrast the community and the crowd. The crowd is a collection of individuals, each with his or her own agenda, and often that crowd is manipulating people. Often the crowd is the blind that is leading the blind. The crowd can trample people, intimidate people. In the gospel, it's often the crowd that's keeping people away from Jesus. When Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd says, shut up, go away, leave us alone. But the community are the people that are drawn together with a sense of purpose, a shared mission, living by the light of faith. A community gathers the scattered. The community shares resources, nurtures the young, provides for widows and orphans, seeks unity and healing when there are divisions. The community seeks to draw people closer to the Lord and to one another. The path to fulfillment, to happiness, to salvation is making a gift of ourselves. Discerning our gifts takes place in the context of community. And it's there that we can learn to make a gift of ourselves. The path is, as Pope Francis tells us, one of prayer and community. We must realize that we are not alone. We are together. We share a vocation to be Jesus' disciples. Together, we work to change the crowd into a community to touch the wounds of Christ as we practice the works of mercy with those who are suffering, and to witness to the world our faith in the resurrection of Christ, who is with us, he is alive, calling us to the mission of sharing his love, his light, and his wisdom with the world.
Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.